Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you. Great to have you with us in person as well online. Thanks for joining in with us today. Uh, man, what a powerful time of worship. Uh, thank you, team, for leading us so well. Uh, I'm really excited because today we are wrapping up this journey we've been on. We've been working our way through a series ever since we reopened the church called Come Back Stronger. And every week has had a different challenge to it uh, about how to live into the calling that God has for us as his church. And so um, if you were here with us last week, you know um, we, the message was called Purpose Over Paycheck. And so Chris Conrad and Dave Gary were here with us, a special guest, and they shared a little bit about what does it mean to actually live out your faith at work? What does it mean to put God first even in the marketplace and to begin to be launched? And so many of you responded and said, yeah, I want to take a next step with that. I, I want to continue to gather and just be, continue to be poured into and encouraged to, to live out my faith in my workplace. And so it was an incredible time of seeing God move. And so I want to let you know we have an opportunity actually coming up here in the next couple weeks to take a next step with that. So specifically, if you are a business leader or a business owner, or if you're the key decision maker in your school or in your work, whatever it might be, uh, here in a couple weeks, we're having something called the Greater Calling Workshop. And it's going to be right here from 9 to 11 at Frontline. And essentially, um, we're partnering with Children's Hope Chest, which is the outreach ministry that we have, uh, a community that we're partnered with in Ukro, Ethiopia. Many of you maybe sponsor children as part of that. And so they're actually going to come and they're helping put this on with us. And it's just going to be a time to say, how can we network together a little bit as, as business leaders in this community? And how can we leverage the business God has given us for kingdom purposes? And so I wanted to invite you guys to that if you are a business leader or a key decision maker in your workplace. And I just to let you know, we're actually inviting lots of business leaders up and down the Plainfield Corridor, whether they come to Frontline or not, where we've invited them to come and be a part of it with us. So it's going to be an incredible time. Um, there's also going to be an online option as well if you're not comfortable being here physically. And so uh, all we ask you to do is to register at greatercalling.com forward slash events. It's free. There's no cost. Uh, breakfast is actually going to be provided. We're to make sure that's taken care of. And so you can just, you register online or you can let Jesse Heine, our missional pastor, know. You can reach out to him if you have more questions or wonder what that's going to be about. We'd love uh, for you to take that step and do that though. So that's coming up. But today, wrapping up this series we've been working through, Come Back Stronger, we're, we're talking about journey over destination. And what I felt like the Lord say to me, preparing to, to do this message, I felt like he just said, today this needs to be about encouragement. That's the goal. Uh, every week of this series has been like a challenge. You know, we've talked about bridges over barriers. We've talked about them over us. We've talked about prayer over planning. We, we've had the, every week has had this kind of specific challenge. And, and I feel like God just said, we need to end with encouragement. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but lots of people are discouraged right now in, in the season that we're living in, the pandemic and what we're going through. And so I feel like God, God's heart for us today, his heart for you is just to remind you who he is and what he's doing right now in the midst of this time we're in and who he wants to be in your life during this time. Uh, I was going through some old pictures, like in my phone and uh, dating back years and years and years, a couple weeks ago. And I found, as I was going through, I found this picture right here. Um, this is my son, Aaron. And the reason this picture was significant to me and the reason it stopped is because I, I believe, if I'm remembering right, he, he's probably around five or six uh, years old at this time. He's 14 years old today. 
Uh, my wife, Carrie, could tell you exactly how old he was. Uh, she, ha she has that ability. Um, but I, I'm pretty sure this was the first time that he and I ever went to Binder Park Zoo together. Anybody, anybody know about Binder Park Zoo? If you're watching online, Binder Park Zoo is an incredible zoo. It's about an hour away from here in Battle Creek, Michigan. And so uh, I do this thing with my boys. I've done it for years. We have, my wife and I have four boys. Uh, but I do these things called Day Away with Dad or Dodd, if you will. And so what we do is we schedule like these day away with dad where I'll take each one of my boys away individually and we go and they get to plan the whole day. They get, we get to do what they're interested in and what they like to do. And we just go away. And the whole point of the day away with dad is just to have a moment of connection individually with each one of my boys. As a father, that's important to me. Uh, even like as I think about my dad and everything that that's been important to me is to have these days away with dad regularly with my boys where we have this moment of connection uh, now Aaron our son Aaron is on the autism spectrum and so uh, moments of connection with him especially when he was about this age were difficult they were uh, they were challenging sometimes and so Aaron loves zoos. He loves animals. In fact, uh, he and I were just at the zoo together on Friday walking around, and he knows everything about every animal. He just, he just can tell you everything about animals. And even when he was this age, he absolutely loved animals, loved zoos. And so I thought, this is awesome, because Binder Park Zoo, we've never been there before, and Binder Park has something called Wild Africa. Anybody know about this? So you know about Wild Africa. And so you walk, you, you drive an hour to get there, you walk across the park, you know, on this sidewalk that takes you through the park. You get on a train, and this train takes you to Wild Africa, where there are giraffes. You can feed the giraffes, monkeys, you know, antelope, you know, all, you know, zebras, all the different, you know, African animals are there. And so he and I are excited. It was our day away with Dad. And we drive for the hour. We can't wait to get there. Both of us are just excited. And I'm looking for like this moment of connection with my kid, you know, on this, on this day away with dad. So we walk through the park. We're on the sidewalk and we're walking and we're walking. And, and I'm thinking, I can't wait. We're going to get to the train. We're going to go to wild Africa. And as we're walking, all of a sudden I notice he's not next to me anymore. And I'm, I'm looking around and I'm trying to figure out where did he go? So finally I turn around behind me and about 10 to 15 steps behind me in the middle of the sidewalk, Aaron has dropped down to, onto his knees and his hands because he has found this. A bunch of ants coming out of a crack in a sidewalk. And he, and he says, he actually didn't say very many words at this, this age, but at one word he said, he said, ants. And I, I'm looking at him, you know, crouched over there on the sidewalk. And now, and by the way, it's in the middle of a very busy sidewalk. People are now like almost stumbling over this kid. They're trying to like walk around him. And so I kind of walk back over there to Aaron and I say, Hey, Aaron, uh, let's go, buddy. Giraffes, antelope, zebras, let's go, wild Africa. And he says, ants. And he just sits there and begins to put his hands in the ants. And now he's playing with the ants. And, and I'm thinking, this is not good. Like we're There's a train that's going to be leaving to Wild Africa. We're going to miss it. And so I, I, I consider maybe what I should do is go and just grab him by the arm and sort of yank him up off the sidewalk and take him. But that's, that's not going to go well. There's not going to be a moment of connection there. It's not going to be happy if I do that. He's going to scream and cry. He hated any kind of transition at that stage of life. Usually, if I, you know, yanked him up off the sidewalk, that would have created a huge mess. So I'm like, man, I don't want to do that. 
So what do I do? He's just sitting there playing with the ants. And through, you know, over the years, I would say my job as a parent, there are lots of times where I have had to kind of yank Aaron up off the sidewalk and get him to see the bigger picture. I think I've played that role as, as a father, helping him kind of see, hey, there's some other things in life. But I would say that what Aaron has done for me is he has helped me slow down and stop driving and sit down and see the beauty that I am surrounded by every single day. That's a gift he's given me. And so, this was one of those moments. So at the, at the end of the, the time, I, the day was about him, right? It's his day away with dad. And so what I did is I walked back and I got down on my hands and knees like this, right in front of him. People are walking around us on the sidewalk and we just played with the ants. And he said, ants. And I said, ants. And we we're putting them on our fingers. We're letting them crawl all over our hands. We're playing with the ants. We're trying to figure out, you know, how to, how to make this interesting. And he, we just do this for the longest time until finally he was ready to be done. And finally he stands up and brushes off his hands. And finally we went on our way to wild Africa. And you know what? Wild Africa was still there when we got there. Can you believe that? Wild Africa was still there when we got there. What was interesting to me is that as I was looking back through the, the pictures and as that picture came up, I remembered that day and I remembered the moment of connection with Aaron that I had on that day. And the amazing thing about it, years later, is that actually the moment of connection did not happen at Wild Africa. I don't even really remember Wild Africa very much, what we did there. The moment of connection was on the journey to Wild Africa. It was sitting on the sidewalk playing with ants. That was the moment of connection. That, that's the memory that I will cherish and that, that I will have. I asked him this past week, I said, do you remember the ants? He was like, yeah, I remember. I remember that. There's, there's a couple of questions we're asking all the time right now. In fact, I can't, I can't be in a conversation without hearing somebody ask this question lately. What is our new normal going to be like? Is anybody else sick of that term, new normal? Oh, yeah. I'm so sick of hearing that term, new normal. What's our new normal? What's it get, you know, that's what everybody's obsessed with. And then if you, if you listen, the question that everyone is asking right after that question is when? When are we going to get there? What's our new normal going to be like? And when will we finally get there? And, there, and there's great anxiety around these two questions right now. I, I hear it everywhere I go around our finances, our economy. What's our new normal going to be look, look like with, our, you know, with the economy, with our finances, uh, with school? Many of you started school this past week or your kids are starting school this next week. What's the new normal going to be like? When, are, when is it going to feel normal? When are, when are we going to get there? with church, with sports, with our jobs. In every area of life, we're asking, and with great anxiety, what is the new normal and when are we going to get there? And if you listen, what you hear is people keep using this word. The word they keep using is the word when. When. If you listen, you'll pick it up. Everywhere you hear right now, when there's finally a vaccine, then we'll, we'll be living in this kind of new normal. When, when the election is over, when we finally get to the wonderful day of November 4th, when this election is over, thank God, finally, then. It, it, but, but it's in other ways too. When my kids finally move out, when, when I finally am able to retire and slow down, when I graduate high school, 
Then I'll be happy. Then things will be normal again. Things will get back to normal. Then everything will be great in our lives. Here's all I want to say to you today. I came to tell you this. I think there are moments of connection with your heavenly Father that he wants to have with you right now. In the midst of this season that we're in, and I think many of us are missing it, I think many of us are camping out saying, we're going to get to wild Africa someday. One day we're going to get there sometime. And we're stressed about it. And we can't wait. And I think our Heavenly Father wants a moment of connection with us. He wants to do something and work in our lives right now if we'll allow Him to do it. So I want to look today at 1 Thessalonians. The book of 1 Thessalonians is where we're going. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you're watching online, um, you can grab a Bible or you can find the Bible app and, and go there. Uh, but the reason we're looking at 1 Thessalonians today is because the church in Thessalonica had a when. They had a when that they were obsessed with. And so the writer Paul is writing this letter to them. It's actually, we believe it's the, the, the earliest letter that we have that Paul wrote. And he's writing to the church in Thessalonica that was still very young. And the, the church in Thessalonica is obsessed with the question of when. When is Jesus going to return again? When is he coming back? When is he going to return? When is he going to, you know, usher us into this new reality, this heavenly reality that he came to fulfill for us? When was the big question they were asking. The reason that they're at, they were so obsessed with the question of when is because they were a persecuted church. What we know about Thessalonica is it was surrounded by a very hostile Gentile uh, element, and the church was under siege. Uh, it, it was not easy to be a Christian in Thessalonica. Life was not easy. And so many of the brothers and sisters, people that were your friends, people that were your, even your immediate family members, some of them had been arrested and taken away. In fact, we know that even Paul was eventually arrested and, and you know, lived out the last of his years in house arrest in Rome. Some, some of you, the brothers and sisters, had been killed. Some of your friends, your family members, had been killed for their faith in Jesus. They'd been martyred for their faith. And so the question, you know, every day you're like living kind of scared, kind of trying to keep a low profile, trying to make sure you're surviving in this time. And the question they had was, when is Jesus going to return? When is he going to get here? When is this finally going to be over? When is this whole ordeal going to be done? And so Paul writes this first letter to the church in Thessalonica, and it's one of the most incredible letters uh, in, in terms of teaching about the last things, end times. Um, it contains some of the most incredible teaching in the New Testament about the second return of Christ, about the rapture of the church, about the dead in Christ rising from the grave. I mean, in fact, I know many of you are asking those questions right now. I've had people from our church, you know, emailing me, texting me, whatever, uh, messaging me and just saying, is this the end? Is Jesus about to come out? Do you think we're living in the end times? And I would tell you, you know, as I look at our world, as I look at what's happening, I do think that we are near the end. Maybe at the beginning of the end. I, I do think we're, we're living in a time where we are near the end. But this was the question that they were asking. And so this is, Paul writes this incredible letter and he deals with these issues. And I would encourage you to read the book of 1 Thessalonians if you haven't before. Read it during this time. Some of the things that he talks about I think would be so helpful to many of us. But he finally gets to chapter 5. And he wraps up his letter. He ends the letter to the church at Thessalonica by saying these words. This is 1 Thessalonians 5, starting verse 1. 
He says, now concerning how and when all this will happen, right? Because that's their questions. That's our question. How and when is all this going to happen? Can you explain it to me? Can you give me a good explanation? Someday when we get to our new normal, in, in terms of how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write you, for you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly, like a thief in the night. So, so what he's saying is, look, nobody's really going to know. It's going to be unexpected. The moment when and how all of this happens and Jesus returns and the world ends and uh, the church is raptured and all these things, nobody's going to know exactly how and when these things are going to happen or if Bill Gates will be involved at all. No one knows. We don't have any hard data on that. But then he goes on, verse 9. Yeah, we can go on to the next part. He says, For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive when he returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. What Paul says is, he, he says, look, the gospel message is what you've got to root yourself in. That's what you've got to encourage each other and build your, yourself up, build each other up in is the gospel message. And the gospel message is that Jesus didn't come to give us an explanation for how and when all these things were going to work out. He, Jesus doesn't come as an explanation. Jesus comes as a savior. Jesus died on the cross for us and, and rescued us from all the things that we're facing that we, we now see in this world so that whenever he comes back, whenever the world ends, whether we're dead or whether we're alive, when it happens, we can have hope and peace and joy in Jesus right now. Right now. For all of eternity. The message Paul wants the, the church of Thessalonica to get is he, he says... You need to understand, he is with you right now. Don't miss him. Don't miss him because you're so focused on heaven someday when we finally get to wild Africa. Don't miss him. He is with you right now. He's with you. If you have young kids living at home and every day you're like, when is school going to be back in? When is it going to be back? What's our new normal? He is with you. If your kids have all grown and your house is empty and you're wondering, what is my purpose here? He's with you. If you are in the conference room at work, he's with you. If you're in the classroom, he's with you. If you find yourself able to gather and be in community with others again. He's with you, and he's with you if you're in quarantine for 14 days because you've been exposed. He is with you right now. Right now. Don't miss what he wants to do in you right now. The whole letter builds up to these verses. The whole thing, Paul you know, goes through this entire thing, and then in chapter 5, he begins to talk to them. And I would say the entire book of 1 Thessalonians builds up to these verses we're about to read. He says, so therefore, here's what you should do. He ends by saying, always be joyful. Never stop praying. 
Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, I just want to walk through each one of these individually. He says, for God's will for you who are in Christ Jesus, if you put your faith and your trust in the person of Jesus, he is with you right now. He has sealed you for all of eternity. He says, so how should we live right now? What should we do? He says, always be joyful. In other words, don't postpone your joy. Don't postpone being joyful in the Lord to some moment when we all get back to normal again. The secret of having joy is not having an explanation and having answers to everything. It's being connected to the person of Jesus. Joy, true joy comes from Jesus. He says, don't postpone your joy. Don't wait. You can have joy every day right now. He goes on, he says, never stop praying. Don't stop coming to Jesus. Don't stop praying. You know, I think some of us have stopped praying in the last six months. In fact, I, I shared with you a couple weeks ago, the study that Barna did uh, was that one in three Christians have stopped attending church and have stopped praying, have stopped engaging with their faith in the last, one out of three, in the last few months during the pandemic. Not because they suddenly don't believe in Jesus anymore, because they've just stopped. Things have been overwhelming. And so they've just kind of drifted. Paul says, don't stop praying. That's, that's your anchor. That's your lifeline. Think about the metaphors we're given over and over by Jesus, the relationship that we have with him. It's this abiding life. It's not meant to be the independent life where we live on our own. We figure everything out by ourselves. He invites us into this abiding life. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Remain in me. Remain in me and I'll produce the fruit. I'll do it. In Matthew 11, he says, come to me. Jesus says, come to me if you're weary and heavy laden and I will give you Rest. To take my yoke upon you, for my, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. He's not saying, hey, I'll help you get a lot more work done. He's saying, offload the burden to me. I'll do the work. I'll pull what's heavy. I came and sacrificed my life for you so that you could have life. I, took, I was rejected and put outside the camp so that you could be brought in. He says, your job is to keep coming to me with whatever is heavy. I have a time every single morning. I have a period of time where I'll just come to the Lord. I'll just come into the presence of Jesus. It's been my lifeline throughout the last several months of this pandemic as everything keeps changing and stuff keeps getting shut down and I don't know what to do. And everybody keeps looking to me like, what are we gonna do, Brian? What's the plan? What? I don't know what the plan is. I don't know what the plan is tomorrow, let alone today. And, and every morning I just have this time where I just go, Jesus, this is heavy. And I'll just say, this situation, I don't know what to do with this person. I don't know how to help them. And I'll just start, I'll just offload I'll just pray and just say, Lord, take it. The burden's too heavy for me. I don't, I don't know what to do. That, that's, the, that's the rhythm we're designed to live in. Don't postpone your joy. Don't stop praying. Come into the presence of Jesus every single day and offload what's heavy and find rest in him. And then he says, be thankful in all circumstances. Don't lose a thankful heart. I love, I always love to point this out. He doesn't say be thankful for all circumstances. He says be thankful in all circumstances. I'm not thankful for a lot of circumstances right now. There's a lot of things I'm not thankful for about this pandemic and about this season we're living in. But, but I can be thankful in all circumstances. It was uh, Christmas two years ago. 
December or something. It was like the week before Christmas. I was sitting in an auditorium waiting for my kids, children, their, their like Christmas program to start from the school. And I, man, it had been such a busy week. I was not thankful to be there. I didn't want to be there for my kids' Christmas production. I think I'd had something every night of the week that week, and I'm just exhausted sitting there. And I had to show up early and reserve a seat for my wife. You know, she's on her way picking up kids from other places, and so we can both be sitting there for the Christmas program. You ever been to your kids' Christmas program at their school? You know how this works, right? You sit there. It's only seven and a half hours long. Because you sit there, and what they do is first you hear the kindergartners sing, then you hear the first graders sing, then you hear the second graders sing, then you hear the third, and, and your kid might be in the third grade, and you're like, all right, my kid, he's singing. And then as soon as they're done singing the third grade, you want to get up and leave. But you can't because of the parent guilt that is involved. Because you look around and other parents are like, hey, I sat here and watched, waited for your kid, buddy. So you sit there for the fourth graders to sing and the fifth graders to sing and the sixth graders to sing, oh God, help me. And I'm sitting there waiting for my kids' Christmas program to begin. And so I do what you do when you're not very thankful to be somewhere. The phone comes out, the head goes down, I don't want to talk to people, and I just begin scrolling through Facebook, right? This is what we do. I'm scrolling through Facebook and suddenly, I'm sitting there, and Facebook pops up one of those on this day. You know what I'm talking about? Where they'll just go, on this day, three years ago. And suddenly, I'm confronted with these pictures I posted three years ago on this December, whatever it was, a few days before Christmas. And it's pictures of my boys. It's pictures of our family. And I'm, I'm looking at it, and, so, and suddenly, like, this wave of emotion hits me. Are you kidding me? Have they changed that much in three years? Are they, are they really that different? I mean, I remember we had just moved. I remember looking and going, that's our old house. Look at that. Look, we're, we're sitting here in the old house. And suddenly I do the thing you should never do while you're sitting there waiting for your kid's Christmas program to begin. I start counting up in my head how many Christmases I have left with all of them in the house. And with John, I've got this many. With uh, Aaron, I've got this many. With Andrew, there's only a couple. And with Alan... We've only got one left. One Christmas left, and then he's graduated and moving on. And suddenly, I'm not disappointed to be at my kid's Christmas program. In fact, there's nowhere else I'd rather be. I'm not thankful for the circumstances. I'm not thankful for one more place to go. I'm not thankful for a Christmas program. I am thankful in the Christmas program. I am thankful in the midst of where I am because of the perspective that I have. Here's, here's all I'm saying. If you wait until the economy gets better and we're through this recession to be thankful for the way that God has blessed you every day right now, you may never find yourself thankful. If you wait until there's a vaccine to celebrate the fact that you have your family with you and, and they are alive and you are healthy right now, you might not ever find yourself being thankful. For, for me, this one's for me. I just scheduled my six-month CT scans two days ago. If I wait until the doctor declares me cancer-free to celebrate the fact that I am alive and I have life and I have purpose to live right now, I may never find myself being thankful for the life I have. 
if you wait until you have the perfect job to celebrate and to be thankful for the fact that God has purpose for you right now every single day, you may never find yourself being thankful. So I, I came to encourage you today. Don't wait till you get to Wild Africa. He wants to be with you. He is with you right now in the midst of this season that we're in. You might as well get down on the ground and play with some ants while you're here. Don't postpone your joy. Always be thankful in, in every circumstance. Not for every circumstance, but in every circumstance. And don't stop praying. Don't stop engaging with Jesus. Don't stop going after him. What, what, whatever we've experienced in this world, it's just part of the journey. I'd say it this way. Uh, wherever you are, it's not your final destination. But whatever's happening to you right now, whatever, whatever season you find yourself in, whatever reality is, is taking place in your life, it's not your final destination. The gospel message that we have is that Jesus came as a savior. He came to, to rescue us and to redeem us so that we have hope for our future. And so whatever is happening right now is just simply part of the journey. It's, it's part of what we're going through right now. I love what uh, Pierre Deschardin said. Uh, he's a Jesuit priest. He said, we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. That, that's what we are. You were made for more. There is an eternal destiny inside of every single one of us, but we are right now having a human experience. And whatever your human experience is, whatever is happening, it's just part of the journey. Learning to find joy and peace and worship right now in the midst of whatever you're, that's training for heaven. That's what it is. It's like fit body boot camp for heaven, only without the sweaty person in yoga pants screaming at you. That's what it is. Everything that happens to us right now, it's what we're doing here. It's why we're here on this earth is to find Christ and to find the joy and the peace that he offers in the midst of whatever we encounter here on this earth right now. So always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I'd love if I could to close us out, to close out this series by just giving you an opportunity to respond. Because there's an invitation on the table right now from Jesus. You don't have to wait till heaven someday. You don't have to wait for wild, when you get to wild Africa. He's with you. He's with you. He's with you right now. He sees you right now. Would you bow your heads with me? If you're in the room, if you'd bow your heads with me. Some of you, you've had this thought process and it's gone something like this. Someday when I get my life put back together, Someday when I get myself cleaned up, someday when I get this situation, this addiction, this problem fixed, then I'll be a Christian. Then I'll get baptized. Then, then I'll give my life to Jesus. And there's an invitation on the table right now. The good news of Jesus is that he came. He rescued us. He was tortured so that we could have life. He, he died so that we might be brought in. And he is with you right now. So if you're in this place where you've resisted and you know, man, I, I've tried to do this on my own, the independent life. If you know that it's time to surrender your life to Jesus, if it's time to, to connect with him, 
to have that moment of connection with your heavenly father through the person of Jesus right now, I want you to just raise up your hand in this room, wherever you are, raise up your hand if that's you. If you're watching online, uh, there's an opportunity for you to click that button that just says raise hands. You can do the same thing we're doing in this room right now. Just raise your hand and say, yes, I know that's me. And if that's you, I'd love to just ha- take a minute and just offer a word of prayer. We're going to do exactly that. We're just going to come to Jesus. That's what he invites us to do, to come to him if you're weary and heavy laden, and he will give us rest. He will give us ultimate Sabbath. He will give us salvation. And so, Jesus, we just come to you right now. We confess you as Lord and Savior. We ask you to come in and to cleanse us, to give us a new life and a new hope and a new future for all of eternity. God, would you meet us right now in the midst of the season that we're in? Would you encourage us that you are with us? And would you help us to live out of this new identity, this new life that you've called us to be in? We ask in the risen and resurrected name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen.